everyone. Uh, this is the podcast about modern wellness and well-being. And today I have Erin here with me, and I'm very excited to learn about all the kinds of lessons she's learned so far in the healing arts that she offers. Uh, so Erin, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So I wanted to start with learning about your journey into the work that you do, how you came upon being where you are. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I feel like I always tell this story the same, but I guess that's just what happened, you know? <laughs> so I, I guess my story really starts with growing up in religion and journeying with the experience and the trauma of that and really turning away from any kind of religion or spiritual connection by the time I was in high school probably like I don't know like 15 or so I was like yeah that's not it um but also not really being able to be honest about that with my family but personally I was like none of that is for me so I didn't really have any spiritual connection or spiritual practice until I found yoga when I was in college, um, which I think is the entry into like spirituality and healing for a lot of people, which, yeah, I think there is a lot that can be said around the commodification of yoga and the popularity of yoga, but I'm also really grateful that it is so popular because I don't know that I would have found it or when I would have found it otherwise. So I found yoga and through that practice and meditation, I started to first of all, reclaim a spiritual connection that was really personal, that was outside of anything dogmatic, that was outside of structural, organized religion. And I also started to realize like, shit, I have a lot of healing to do. <laughs> um, there's a lot in here that I have not unpacked that I really have no idea what's going on. And like, do I, do I even know myself? Do I even know who I am? So all those kinds of like questions and boxes started to be opened through that practice. And after I found yoga, I lived in New York in Manhattan for a summer doing an internship for college. And that was kind of a turning point for me where I really immersed myself in that practice where I was in New York, which is amazing. And I only knew one other person and we had just a wild adventure together that summer, I feel like. And I also realized, oh, this fashion internship that I'm doing is not it. <laughs> I'm not going to work in this for my career. I actually don't think I want to work for anybody else. I think I want to teach yoga. So Fast forwarding a little bit, I graduated college and I did a ton of traveling, which opened up a lot for me and through yoga and meditation and starting to teach those things, which I don't teach yoga anymore, but I used to. Those things really led me to all of the things that I do now. Um, they led me to tarot and witchcraft. They led me to Reiki and energy work and breath work and dance and all of these different forms of healing that I work with and that some of which I facilitate now. And I don't know, I think, I think it was really a practice of, I mean, my podcast is called Living Open and I named it 
living open because that's really what I felt like my journey was about being open to feel guided being open to follow my curiosity and be like okay what's next like where do I need to go with this like both internally and externally like what do I need to do in my life and what's next in my healing process um and just yeah allowing myself to follow those things has really been the journey and here we are now <laughs> yeah and you've learned a lot through this yeah. <laughs> as well um you write a lot about um you know the the different practices you do and and kind of um both offering kind of like creativity coaching and also reiki and other kinds of connections with yourself so i'm interested to hear more about that as we go along. Um, one thing I wanted to ask is what are some practices that are important to you that you personally practice regularly? Ooh, I love this question. Um, I guess so one thing about me is my practice really goes like this. Like it really ebbs and flows. I practice every day. Um, but I yeah ebb and flow with things that I'm interested in and things that are supporting me and really helping me heal at that time. Right now, I'm working a ton with my dreams, um, so I'm doing a lot of dream tending practice. I'm dancing a lot, and I'm always doing breath work and I'm always writing. Those are definitely two constants for me. I'm always doing breath work. I'm always writing. Um, and specifically writing poetry has been really healing for me this year. So that's a big practice and I'm working on a poetry collection right now actually, which is so fun and intense and a little bit scary to think about sharing that with people for sure. Um, so yeah, I guess those are the practices I'm really working with right now, but yeah, it ebbs and flows. Oh, and I guess I should also say ritual practice. I do a lot of ritual, but I guess I, don't even really think of it as very structured because it's just kind of woven into my day and my life. But I'll always, you know, light a candle in the morning and welcome fire in, sit at my altar, or yeah, even drinking tea as a ritual, or I'll do different practices with the moon depending on how I'm feeling and what's going on. But yeah, ritual is a big part of my life as well. That's really nice to hear about. I think that definitely. Um, create these kind of containers for us the little rituals that we do throughout the day mm -hmm. and it's really nice to think about as well um, yeah. about poetry that's really amusing that um, that you decided to kind of dedicate a lot of time to that um, recently yeah. and uh, that's definitely a different kind of expression and opening and that might yeah. love to hear what comes out Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> um, are you into poetry? Like, do you write or read poetry yeah, at all? Um, I yeah. do. Um, it was the funniest thing. I found a notebook where I had poems from when I was like 14, 15, 16. Oh. And I was like, wow, <laughs> no, because I realized I write now in my 30s very similar, like cadence, some word usages. Well, my words got better. <laughs> um, topics got more complicated a little bit but like really really similar to you know so many years ago um I haven't like practiced poetry regularly but I'm always really connected to poetry and I love um all kinds of things as poetry yeah 
I love that. Yeah. I, it's funny that you say that because I used to write a ton when I was a kid, I wrote novels (laughs) and I wrote poetry and I wrote everything and I would spend hours in, um, the basement on my mom's like chunky desktop computer and I would be just like in word docs typing 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 this was probably I was like 10 or 11 and recently I was talking to my sister about that how we would like we our screen time was pretty limited but we were allowed to do a lot of that kind of stuff because you know it's creative and it's great and Caitlin was like my sister um was like oh yeah I would just say I was doing that and I was just on AIM chat the whole time and I was like really I was actually writing stories Um, but yeah, I used to write a lot of poetry when I was a kid and I kind of fell away from that practice later on, probably around high school, around the time I was like, oh, that's weird. I shouldn't do that because I want to fit in, not thinking about it. So like linearly in that way, but that's really what I think was happening. And I came back to it in college a bit and mostly this year though. This is the first year since I was probably 12 that mm-hmm. I've really consistently written poetry and there's just something about it. I mean, it's like it's just I think it's so powerful when we use creativity to heal and working with creativity to tell our stories and to even like transmute our pain like I feel energy moving when I'm writing poetry it's not just like this expression isn't doing anything for me it feels healing and whether I share that with people or not the writing in and of itself the letting the stories pour out of me in the way that they want to in this art form that I love is really special so yeah I love poetry I'm grateful for it. Yeah, there's definitely an energy uh, flow that happens. And uh, that's really fun part as well. And then you're like, what is it? (laughs) (laughs) So it's a really cool practice. Um, So in this conversation, I'd like to talk about um, something that you told me you've been thinking about recently around the concept of feeling being seen. Um, and you wrote on your site and mentioned about reclaiming yourself and kind of, I think of it as like reclaiming your sense of self. And I feel like we are born with the ability and we create like, you know, our own sense of self when we're like very small. And as we're like forming ourselves, um, there's some challenges that occur and um, and we bend and shift and we sort of like lose that seed sometimes and we need to find ways to kind of reclaim it or say like, no, this is in fact me and like these are the parts that really are important to me and just kind of like bring awareness and attention and like feed the parts of us that like really um, – are like wanting expression. So that's kind of how I see reclaiming yourself would be. So I wanted to know what does it mean to reclaim your connection with your full self? How would you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think what you shared is really beautiful. And that's a lot of what I think the process is, I think. It's also shame. And a lot of my work is about shame. It's about the ways in which we learn to hide parts of ourselves, to sort of chameleon parts of ourselves, right? Like, let's not show this, let's express this, or let's 
pretend this or let's step into this part of myself because that's what's accepted that's what will get me love friendship whatever it is that I'm seeking belonging I think a lot of the time um love and belonging are are big ones for me and I think they're just so human you know so that desire is not wrong or anything like that but I think we learn from a really young age how to get that and we develop strategies that can often include, you know, cutting off parts of ourselves or hiding parts of ourselves, burying parts of ourselves so deeply that they're even hidden from us, right? That we forget they're even there, that we have no idea they're still existing within us um, because we want to be loved. We want to belong. We want to fit in all of those kinds of things. And so I think the process of reclaiming yourself is the process of healing. And so I don't, there's no cute, like three-step process to go through or anything, I think anyways. Um, But I think it starts with looking at shame. I think it starts with looking at the parts of ourselves that we learned were not okay, were unacceptable for whatever reason, um, and seeing where those parts still exist within us, seeing where we've sort of been programmed to hide from ourselves. And I mean, that's where the being seen piece comes in as well through that reclamation, like to show up and to allow parts of ourselves that we were taught made us unlovable to let those be seen is so healing. (laughs) I think it's everything. Um, And especially in the beginning, at least when we can let them be seen by people that we know we can trust to hold them, who are not going to say, oh yeah, your parents are right. That does make you unlovable. But who are going to greet that and hold that and say, I love this about you. Um, Yeah, is really powerful. Mm. Um, I recently... Uh, started reading the woman who danced with the wolves which has been mm-hmm. around for a long long time and so many people like that I know would have read it <laughs> um, and I just read the ugly duckling story and mm-hmm. it was about it that's a chapter on belonging mm-hmm. and um, kind of like the process and the journey into if uh, finding you know the people and the group that really like will see you and accept you and just give you the kind of feedback where you don't feel you need to, you know, shape shift or hide or create something that's not like who you are. Um, so I, yeah. I just thought that was a really interesting kind of like story that could relate Um, Yeah, I haven't read that book for years now. So I definitely have it on my bookshelf behind me. I'm like, maybe I need to reread that story. (laughs) It's so uh, dense. I would say it was like a, like a PhD, but like a very artsy (laughs) PhD. Oh, yeah. (laughs) When I started reading it, I thought, okay, this is interesting. Um, Because it's a lot of repetition, um, but like in a poetic sense, because the Mm -hmm. author kind of describes herself as a poet, and she is more of a poet than like a writer who would write like a thriller or mystery novel or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's fairy tales, but the author takes the fairy tale and breaks down all the parts um, into like the lessons. And I think that's so brilliant um, because I really believe like the author did like the, the fairy tales that um were told communally and orally like they 
can I transmit this knowledge that you can't really like just you can't straight up say it because it's not something that you can communicate without this kind of container of a story so it was a really cool story um that connected to that sense of belonging I think you were talking about some of that and I wanted to mention I was um listening to some things on shame and um it's like I think Brene Brown was saying that shame can't exist if it's shared so Mm. shame is definitely a great entry point into um you know shedding those kind of uh, beliefs that like don't make up who you are because the moment you share them you start to maybe have insights like, yeah and they're not <laughs> right anymore yeah yeah I think I want to share too some of the most powerful being seen work I did at the beginning of my journey and I think it's still powerful for sure um but early on was this work of literally letting yourself be seen by another person. So I'd be on retreat or in workshop or whatever, and we're just partnered up, a total stranger. And we're just sitting across from each other, like with our knees touching, that's how close we are. And we're just like gazing into each other's eyes, not blinking, not smiling, not talking, just like looking. And those kinds of experiences are really like, whoa, (laughs) am I ever, have I ever actually let myself be seen in this way? And in those kinds of experiences, we would take it even further and be asked to embody different parts of ourselves, to embody our rage, to embody the witch or whatever it was that we were feeling into. And I remember being guided to like literally scream in this person's face, like keeping eye contact and like show my rage. And I think those kinds of experiences really shaped me and really helped me with being seen because we were doing it in a setting where it's like, this person can hold this, right? This person is literally here to hold my rage, to hold my shame with me. Um, And they're not going to be like, well, stop. (laughs) Um, So yeah, being able to have those kinds of experiences is really beautiful. And I would lead some of those experiences as well when I used to do in-person classes pre-COVID. So maybe one day I'll be doing those again, but yeah. Mm, Yeah, that um, experience will definitely be powerful in person. That sounds like such Mm. a such a fun thing as well it sounds like this kind of play but like he you know a play that has a lot of healing um in yeah. it and it's really important what you were saying that you, when you're in this container well it's a container that like both people acknowledge and like they trust that you're doing this thing right and yeah it's not, there's no like outside events in a way but yet you could still express yourself as if something happened and you have a feeling and you need to express that. Um, but I find the the most interesting thing is what you're saying that there is a lot of holding there because that container is created between the two people and like that in itself is like a, an amazing place to to express and like learn. Oh, this is like how I look when I do this. This is how I really feel. <laughs> Yeah. And I think sometimes it's, at least for me, it was way easier to do that stuff with strangers than it was with the people I actually knew, people in my life. Like, I always say this, but it's true. I traveled alone so much after I graduated college. And that really gave me the opportunity to 
try on being myself, embodying myself before I felt like I could really do that with the people I actually knew in my life. Um, and that kind of gave me the com the comfort with it, I guess, to to be able to bring more of that into my life. Yeah, I also find that super helpful and one of the best like tools out there to basically spend a lot of time alone and like the funnest, most interesting way to do that is through travel, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so if anyone ever talks to me about like, oh, what should I do? Should I like travel and like explore things? I'm like, drop everything else. Always, yes, always. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, come back to and figure out what you want to do, but definitely yeah. take time and I feel like, um, taking that time and being like super aware like this is time I'm using for myself to like do whatever uh that's necessary to just uh reconnect and be like what is it mean to feel me without you know pressure responsibility or your community basically I think contacts and community have a huge part especially as you were talking regarding religion. Um, but, you know, we live in a society, so of course we're affected and um, we all have, you know, a want to belong. So the society that we grew up in or end up in or journeying around, um, every person will influence, you know, how we Absolutely. think and connect to ourselves. So taking that time to not be as influenced and really create like a very personal container for a set of time. Um, I think that's so beneficial. Um, so it's really nice to hear that you did that. I did that um, recently, like from two, August of last year to March of this year. Um, so that was a very important time. Yeah, incredible. I mean, I think exactly what you're saying. It can really be so transformative in ways I think that, yeah, we might not understand at the time what's actually happening even. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I wanted to speak about um, the different healing arts and modalities that you learned um, and now offer and work with, if you could speak about that. Yeah, sure. Um, where to start? So many things. <laughs> Mostly how I'm working with people right now is I'm not really offering like a Reiki session or a breathwork session or something like that, but sort of more in-depth healing sessions where we kind of just work with whatever feels present intuitively, whatever, you know, we both feel like we need in the moment. So I guess just to preface this with that, but meditation is definitely something that I work with. Um, and you know, I have also ebbed and flowed in my meditation practice. Sometimes I hate meditation and a lot of times it's really powerful for me. And meditation that I really like to use is connecting in with the body, grounding meditation, and also visualization meditation. I have done visualizations where I've met so many different parts of myself and welcomed them back home and it's been powerful. Um, so meditation is one, breath work is another big way. And this is sort of the embodiment piece. No one will ever have a session with me that doesn't have some kind of embodied piece that doesn't involve the body in some way. And it's often with breath work. Um, breath work is an active meditation technique and I really work with it to help us feel our feelings 
to feel what's actually happening in the body, what's going on in the body, to move stuck energy. Um, it can be worked with to heal trauma as well. You know, not like do one breathwork session and you won't have trauma anymore, but it can be part of the trauma healing process for sure. And yeah, it's a way that I and my clients go deeper out of here and into the body and how, yeah, how the emotional experience is showing up there, how the shame stories are showing up there, um, all of those things. And I think it's so important to involve the body in the healing conversation. And yeah, I don't think we can heal without it. Um, I also work with Reiki, which is energy work. Um, and I'm working with Reiki a bit differently these days. I think when I worked with Reiki in the beginning and it was opening up all of this stuff within me and I was getting all this information for my clients and for myself. And I was like, wow, I'm like really downloading stuff and seeing stuff. It was really cool. Um, but I'm not doing that so much anymore. Now when I'm working with Reiki, I'm really working with like releasing any expectation of outcome or releasing any how do I how do I say what I'm trying to say releasing the need to make everything make sense for my clients or to give them a bunch of really logical and intellectual answers for a process that is so numinous and non-linear and unexplainable and I think the more that I work with it the more I'm like I don't want to explain what's happening. I don't want to try and put this into words. Like we can feel what's happening and trusting that I think is enough. It's enough for me. Um, so yeah, definitely working with Reiki a bit differently these days. And I think, yeah, Reiki involving energy in the healing work is really powerful as well because we're moving things. We're opening up sort of possibilities on an energetic level. We're moving things that maybe we can't do with voice or with different ways of working with things. And I guess those are the main ways, but I also work with tarot you might do journaling in a session with me we might just talk for a while you know there are like lots of different things we might dance together which I love doing as well um, but those are kind of the three big things and I wanted to hear a little about um, how magic tarot and ritual kind of come into your healing work yeah, you might also do ritual in a session with me. <laughs> um, yeah, ritual is a really important part of my personal practice. And I don't think I would be doing the work that I'm doing without it. Um, ritual gives me so much information. It helps me move energy. It helps me tune into my own energy, into the cycles that are happening around me. My rituals are often nature-based and moon-based, so they're cyclical, and they connect me to that within myself as well. And you know, working with that with clients, it's not a super big part of what I do, but I think when we work with ritual and we practice magic, it's like everything is kind of part of that. You know, when we bring that intention to our lives and to these different containers, we might not explicitly be doing ritual, but it's ritual and it's connecting with magic, which I think is, yeah, really sacred. And that's kind of what I think ritual does. I think it makes life feel more alive. And ritual has helped me heal in 
so many ways. It's helped me be more brave, I think. It's helped me learn more about myself. Um, it's helped me expand in different directions that I want to go. It's helped me vision. And yeah, it helps other people, I think, do all of those things as well, which is one of the reasons that I love it. But definitely a big part of that is connecting to those cyclical rhythms for me. Uh, ritual seems like it creates these little containers for us, right? So that yeah. we feel like it can either hold something or we can go and do something. And it, it like, it acts as a form of magic. You're right. It, it just kind of creates this flow where in our days, um, that's really nice. Um, mm. Kind of think about it. I just started um, experimenting with that recently. Mm, um, so exciting. So it's getting like, you know, as it's becoming winter, I figured, why don't I add more candles? It's yeah. My space. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful practice. Yeah. Just because we have electricity doesn't mean we can't have candles. Um, so I started lighting kind of candles throughout the day. Um, and it's, it like shows you an element, you know, I find mm -hmm. rituals often use like elements in nature. And uh, fire is definitely an element that uh, comes out in winter. Well, snow and cold, but like inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like used to, I would start to think about fire and warmth um, in, in the winter because that's like the opposite of what's outside. Um, so that's been something that's super nice for me. I love that. And absolutely. I mean, it's like because of what's happening in nature, humans have been using fire for centuries, for as many years as we've had fire during winter, especially to, to stay warm, right? So in that way, too, I think ritual can connect us to our roots, can connect us to ancestry. Hmm. And I wanted to ask if there's anything you'd like to talk about regarding tarot. I think that's hmm. really uh uh, interesting practice that kind of it can involve ritual as well and I think is sort of a ritual um but it's just like so in so pretty you know like <laughs> the cards and the experience yeah. of like working with the cards and stuff it's just like such a pretty thing like the cards <laughs> beautiful themselves <laughs> Yeah, totally. The cards are art. I, absolutely. I think I really love working with tarot intuitively and creatively. Um, of course, like when I first learned tarot, I was reading books and I took a class and all that stuff because I was like, what did the cards mean? But if I could go back <laughs> and know what I know now, I wouldn't have done any of that. And I would have just let myself figure out what the cards mean for me. And I mean, there are so many incredible ways to do this. If you're listening to this or watching this, um, just getting a deck and meditating with the cards, taking cards into the dream space, like pulling a card before sleep and just asking like, teach me about this card in my dream, like show me something that I need to know about this card. And yeah, I think I'm so much less interested in having the right answers um, than I am in having tarot be a visual language that's personal to everyone like there's some collective symbology right there are some things that we're like 
we acknowledge like this can be associated with this, but that doesn't mean we also don't have our own personal meanings, our own personal symbols um, and associations. And I think working with those things makes tarot really come alive. And I always say this about ritual and spell practice and tarot and all of those things. It's like, it's the most powerful when it's personal and when it's intuitive. I think we get so much more out of those experiences of working with the cards or working with ritual or anything like that than we do if we like Google, what does this card mean? Or do a ritual for X. Um, maybe those things can like inspire our own practice or like offer a jumping off point if we're not sure where to start. Um, but yeah, I see, I have seen this in myself for sure. This desire to like figure out what it means. And similar to what I was saying about Reiki, I don't know that we can really figure out <laughs> what these things mean because I don't think they mean one thing. And it's really lovely, I think, when we can give tools like tarot space to be alive and to mean something different to everyone. And so it's a question of like, can I be in relationship with these cards and figure out what they mean to me in this moment and in the next moment and the next moment, because that can change and shift too. So yeah, I guess I think of it as being more in conversation and relationship. And I think it's, yeah, a great practice for working with magic and um, divination and understanding ourselves and receiving information for sure. The image of conversation makes a lot of sense to me because mm -hmm. I think when you're working with a physical object, you, um, can have this kind of um, very visual kind of conversation almost. Um, yeah. Um, I wanted to ask if you could speak a bit about it. Um, I find it really interesting um, some of the points on someone's journey that gets them to a place and then how they transition to another place. So my question is about, uh, currently you're talking about uh, transitioning from this state of wanting to know like the meaning or know what it means or uh, just like know on this level that you could like you know feel like you know or understand <laughs> on the mental level maybe yeah um, because there's different ways of feeling that you know um, how did you start to transition from that feeling of like I have to know on this like mental, like, you know, um, surface level to it's totally fine if I don't understand what's happening right now, but eventually like they'll come around or like this is all part of the journey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't even know how to answer this question. I guess I'll just see what comes up, but I think partly it's kind of naturally my personality. Um, in, I was having a conversation with my mom a couple years ago and we were taking a walk and we were just talking about how we don't see the world in the same way at all. And my mom is really religious as well, which is part of it. Um, but we were talking about how for my mom, things that are black and white are very important. They're comforting. She enjoys looking at the world in that way. It feels safe. It feels like it makes sense. And how I'm not at all interested in seeing the world in that way. That feels like boxed in. It feels untrue. And I'm much more interested in almost everything being like this, right? Like on a spectrum, like lots and lots of shades of nuance. 
in between and through. And I think that's part of it. I think part of it is also the journey that I've been on of healing religious trauma and unpacking and deprogramming a lot of that programming around the black and white and binary thinking, which is super prevalent in fundamentalist religion anyways, um, where there's always an answer for everything, right? It's in the Bible. That's where you find the answer for every question you could possibly want. And it's supposed to be this thing where it's like, well, there's no question. If it's there, that's just the truth. Um, So unpacking that seeing where I don't believe in the Bible anymore, but where some of those tendencies might still be within me. And I also had my Hierophant year this year. So in working with the tarot, you have these, or if you choose to work with this practice anyways, which I do, you have cards of the year. And so your card of the year in my practice extends from birthday to birthday. So my birthday's in October from this past October to October of last year between that year um, my card was the Hierophant which is a card that is associated with it's called the Pope in some older decks um, but it's associated with religion it's associated with hierarchical structures and systems to me it's a card that asks us to trust ourselves more um, to become the teacher that we need to not put people on pedestals too so all of this kind of stuff that we're talking about it's like a lot has really opened up for me through that year and I think there's no question for me that that's why that's definitely the energetic influence over my year um yeah I guess I guess I'll just leave it there if you have any other specific questions feel free to ask but mm-hmm. I guess another part of it is I think it feels like so much more true and expansive and like it's creating possibility to view things from that space and connect with things from that space rather than like this is how things are and this is like what I need to do about it it feels like there's so much more space for things to evolve and change and open and that that feels really good to me thank you for sharing I also believe in uh, a spectrum and it's very difficult for me to imagine that someone lives in this very black and white (laughs) structure, which of course we've all met people with um, both um, viewpoints. So just really was interested in kind of how that journey came about and uh, that's really nice to hear about. Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, I wanted to ask a bit about your podcast. So you've done it for quite a bit. Um, it's like more than a hundred ep- episodes, right? It's a lot of episodes. Yeah. <laughs> it's been going on for a while. Um, and you mentioned it earlier. Um, if you could speak to kind of how we got started and like what function and purpose and like why you continue doing it. Yeah. Oh, I love this question. I love podcasting so much. Um, We're actually about to hit episode 200, which is wild. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I started the podcast um, like four and a half years ago now when I was in a period in my life where I felt really lost and I wasn't, I didn't have people in my life who were kind of on this journey around healing and spirituality with me at the time anyways. And that felt lonely. And I was feeling really inspired by a lot of the podcasts I was consuming by people I was connecting with on Instagram who were kind of on the same page, who were talking about these things. And I was feeling like, 
oh, I can make a podcast and I can talk to people about this kind of stuff when no one's having conversations with me about this in my actual life. (laughs) So that's really how it started. It was definitely just something I felt called to do. I felt curious about like, why not? Other people have podcasts. Why couldn't I have one too, you know? Um, And I thought maybe other people would resonate. Maybe other people were feeling the same way I was feeling. And turns out they were, which is a nice feeling. Um, And I still make it because I love it. (laughs) I love it so much. I love getting to have these conversations with people and connecting with the people who listen to the podcast as well, who are reflecting back to me how they're helped by these conversations and what they mean to them. It's like, it's really beautiful. It's definitely a passion project that I feel like I put a lot of my heart into in sharing really deep personal stories and having deep conversations with people that um, I feel like have a lot of medicine to share, which is everyone really, I think everyone has a lot of medicine to share, but people who are open to that. And I think that it's such an exercise in being seen. (laughs) Podcasting in general, it's, I think, inherently vulnerable, especially when you're having these kinds of conversations, right? Where we're like talking about healing and about our lives and about being seen. It's so vulnerable. It's taught me a lot about how to be seen, how to be visible, how to show up, how to take criticism and not be liked, which is a huge thing too. Um... So yeah, I love podcasting and I have plans to continue to continue the show for the foreseeable future. Mm. Yeah, I guess podcast definitely could be one way to practice being seen. I I (laughs) thought about that because when you record it, it's just you and um, yes, but then you share it and I mean, people do watch it. So then there is more of that. Um, yeah. And so that's interesting for sure. Um, and you have such a diversity of guests. Um, there's so much different um, modalities and information and like point of views. So I'm sure you've been able to learn so much from, from hearing from like all across the spectrum. Oh my God. Yes. I learned so much from the conversations. I love having them. And they definitely are, the podcast has evolved a lot for sure since I started it. And it's really just like conversations about healing, which can be about so many things. Like you said, there's so much to talk about, so many different modalities and topics and avenues to go down and yeah, it's endless, (laughs) endless possibilities. Um, I'd like to ask a question about um, the topic we started with regarding reclaiming yourself and kind of being seen. Um, So I was hoping that you could kind of mention a few practices that either, you know, emerged for you or that you kind of done with your clients or just that are specific to kind of growing this sense of, you know, people hear me, people see me, you know, it's important that I am. Yeah. One thing that is coming up is a really simple practice, but has felt really powerful for me for this reclamation is just like placing my hands on my own body and feeling myself be here and take up space and telling myself that 
that's okay and that's perfect and I'm glad that you're here that feels really good another reclamation practice that I do a lot <laughs> with myself and definitely with clients too which I kind of touched on earlier but I'll more so break it down now is guiding myself or you could probably find something like this on the internet or I guide my clients through it um, but a journey meditation to invite back in some of those parts of yourself so I'll often take my clients to the forest <laughs> the forest I call it it's a forest <laughs> um and have them orient to the space and take them through the forest to a beautiful clearing and um yeah really drop into that kind of trance space and then invite in a part of themselves that needs healing a part of themselves that wants to you know come home or be welcomed home and I find it's really beautiful what comes from those experiences. You know, sometimes it's like little child self or sometimes it's like the really sexual part of myself or the angry part of myself or it could really be anything. Um, and having a conversation with that part of yourself, asking them if there's anything that they need to heal to be okay. And maybe you see yourself playing with them in the forest or just hugging them, holding them, like those kinds of things. And yeah, then eventually thanking them, loving them, saying goodbye and making your way back through the forest, back to your body. Um, but that's definitely a practice I would recommend for everyone. And Breathwork is probably the third thing that I'll say as a beautiful practice of reclamation. And in breathwork as well, I didn't mention this, but a lot of times we'll make sound. So the first time I did breathwork <laughs> was a truly wild experience. And I felt all of this emotion pouring out of me. And I was just in this room with like 50 people and we were all screaming our heads off on each like breath out. And it was just a wild psychic vortex experience but <laughs> I think that practice of sounding and it might be really quiet at first but of just making sound is like oh yeah like I'm allowed to take up space I'm allowed to be here I have things inside that that might need to come out so yeah I can show you how to do the breath work I facilitate right now if you want I also have a free practice on my website people can find um but do you want me to show it Cool. Okay. So I'll just turn my camera down briefly. That's the blue light from my microphone. <laughs> um, so I'm putting one hand on my heart and one hand on my belly. And the breath is all done in through the mouth and out through the mouth. So I'm just going to breathe in through my mouth, right into my belly, in through my mouth, into my heart, and then letting it go. So it's like, and that's it you know it's simple and it's not always easy <laughs> um but it's a practice that I think is really powerful and showing up for it consistently is really powerful. So if you're watching this and you want to try it, you could just do that breath pattern for maybe set a timer for like five minutes to start, see what that opens up for you or make a little playlist with a couple of songs and do the breath pattern to that and let yourself rest at the end, see you know, what's integrating for you, what's opening up, what are you seeing, what are you feeling, what's coming up, um, and being with that, letting that, um, yeah, kind of, kind of show you the way. So those are the practices I'll offer.
Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Like, um, there, there's strong practices that really help you connect with the body. And um, I like the guided meditation, especially as well. I did that mm -hmm. recently um, with this uh, woman that does breath work and then like guided meditations right after. So that was oh, I love that experience. <laughs> um, so before we close, um, is there anything that you'd like to share or mention? about reclamation or um, anything that you're working on right now? Yeah, um, I guess, yeah, what's coming up for me right now is like, just start, like there's no, there's no right practice or right path or right thing to do in healing or in reclaiming the body, like following your curiosity or what you feel drawn to is the practice for you. And I think where you're meant to go. So yeah, I just, I guess would invite people to follow that and see where that leads you. And I mean, that's really been my experience and my path. It's like, there's always something, right? Like there's always a connecting dot or a thread or a road I'm being invited down. And yeah, when I keep saying yes to it, I keep going further and further and seeing more and more. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I wanted to close with one question, which is what sure. is currently inspiring you? Oh, <laughs> what's inspiring me? Mm, okay, a lot. <laughs> I'll just say winter is inspiring me. Snowy landscapes and the trees outside my window being completely bare against the sky is really inspiring to me right now. Um, being in this sort of like cocoon winter energy is opening up a lot for me. Um, my dreams are a huge inspiration for me. I mentioned dream tending as a practice, but I learn all kinds of stuff in my dreams. I get inspired to create, I get inspired to write poetry. I get inspired to do different kinds of work with my clients through my dreams. Um, so definitely dream work and reading poetry for sure is a huge source of inspiration for me. That's wonderful. I love dreams mm. as well. Um, yes. <laughs> there. I love, I recently have a lot of dreams about water. So, oh, interesting. Secretly, I'm into water. <laughs> <laughs> the water element is calling you. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, well, again, uh, appreciate you coming on and having this conversation. And uh, thank you so much. I hope you enjoy this winter time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And you too. <laughs>